Good morning. We are right up the front there. A number of our ladies went to this uh, Ladies' Day yesterday, and uh, I think it's very important that um, when we hear the Lord speak to us, that that's not lost and that isn't washed away. So I'd just like to open in prayer, but pray especially that the Lord will seal what he spoke to the ladies yesterday and that that won't be lost. Father, we want to thank you that your word is truth. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword divides between soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And Father, we want to thank you yesterday for the ladies that went to this day, Lord, and that, that you spoke to them. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would seal that word deep in their spirits. You would show them how to work out that word and that there would be fruit from that word. Father, we pray that you would bless every lady in this church. Daughters of the King, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, precious and valued in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> it's very frustrating when you, when you pray and you say, Lord, please guide me this morning as I speak. Um, because all sorts of things then come into your mind and you have to kind of weigh up, is that God or is that just the cheese I had last night? Um, I just want to ask a question. I'm not going to ask a follow-up question, so I won't embarrass anybody. But is there anybody here who's got God children? Anybody here that's got God children? Okay, okay. Can I just say, I, it's really been impressed on my heart this morning. I was coming to prepare this. I just felt the Lord say to me, those in the body here that have God children, today, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. I wish I had more. That's all he said. Pray for your God children. Okay. So, Matthew 17. Well... So we say the DVD is one person's interpretation. I think it was probably a little bit brighter than that when Jesus was transfigured. Um, but here's one thing. The disciples, they saw Jesus. They saw him in a different light. Suddenly, there he was. This brightness, brighter than the sun. Wow. This is Jesus. They suddenly saw this glorious man. And at that point, Jesus could have ascended straight to heaven. He could have done. Have you heard that phrase, it was love that held Jesus on the cross, not the nails? You hear that phrase, and maybe that's helpful, maybe it's not. But uh, it was love, I believe, that let Jesus come down the mountain to walk away from that wonderful experience because of his great love for his disciples and for all the, all the, all the family of God that were going to follow. He came. He had that experience but he came back to his people because he still was going to have a price to be paid and a job to be done. You see, the disciples had walked with Jesus for a long time and uh, maybe they become a bit familiar with him. You look at Peter, I feel a bit like Peter, quite a kind of rejected personality, sort of, you know, feel everyone misunderstands you, don't they can't quite get you. And Jesus had brought Peter into his fold. He brought him close. And maybe Peter was getting a bit familiar. Oh, I know this Jesus now. I kind of know how he ticks. And then suddenly he sees Jesus in all of this light and all of this glory. It's a danger for some of us. We think we know Jesus. And he comes along and he rattles our life. 
Brothers and sisters, I don't think we know Jesus as much as we could. That's not a, that's not a put down. He comes, especially if you have that weaker type of personality. Just remember, he could be shaking your cage, but he loves you and he wants to draw you into the good things that he has for you. He's much bigger than the box that we put him in. See, John 21, 25, it says, if everything that was written about Jesus that he ever did was written in books, the world could probably not even contain those books. Wow. Wow. You know, we, we get excited by little healings, and we thank God for that, by little encouragement. But this, the books, you imagine if all the books, I was going to bring all my books from home, and I'm not a great reader, and just put one book all about Jesus, another book, another book, another book, another book, another book. We could all and just fill and say, that isn't even a millionth of what our Jesus is like. Our God is a great big God. That is not a children's song. Our God is a great big God. Jesus, we need a bigger vision of you. We need a bigger bigger. Would you take us up the mountain, Lord? Would you give us a fresh vision of you? He's a mind-blowing king. He wants to blow our minds. You've got that analytical, scientific mind. I tell you, you won't, you won't receive anything from God. We have to come as a little child, which I think we heard earlier. The worship was so fantastic, I can't remember what we heard. It was great, wasn't it? We come like little children. And when we have a vision of Jesus, we will be changed. Now Saul in the Old Testament, as we know, he had an encounter, the Spirit came upon him, and the Word says he was changed into another man. Now, he still had to deal with his character, and let's be honest, he never cracked it, but he was changed into another man. We could be changed when we have that vision of Jesus. Would we lay aside our prejudices and simply allow him to be God and allow him to be Lord? But Peter, I love Peter. Perhaps we could do a series on Peter sometime. Oh, what a great guy he was. The trans, the, you know, here's this transfiguration. And he said, he said, Lord, it's good that we are here. You know, we, we love to beat Peter up, don't we? Oh, we got this wrong, he got wrong. But he got that right, didn't he? Lord, it's good to be here. I tell you what, when God's presence is around, it is good to be there. You see, Peter was impulsive, but at least he walked on the water. Maybe you think, oh, people don't quite get me, don't quite understand me, but at least Peter stepped out. If your heart is to follow God and you step out and get it wrong, it's okay, because he knows our heart. They say, if you don't make mistakes, you don't make anything. (laughs) Lead us, Lord Jesus. But Peter was reacting out of his experience. This is very much where I want to get to today. He reacted out of his, his, his experience because historically the presence of God had always been contained. Contained in the pillar of fire, contained in the cloud, contained in the tabernacle, contained, contained in the Ark of the Covenant, contained in the temple. So everything that Peter knew was about God's presence being contained. It's the same for us. We know God through Bible weeks or through Stonely or through a great preacher on God TV, or through an experience or a prophetic word. We know God through that. And without knowing it, we can box God in. We can box him in. But God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in Beacon. And we need to learn how not to contain what God is doing, but wisdom how to release what God is doing. 
That's really the key of what I, I want to say. The old container, brothers and sisters, is no good. It did its job, but we move on. You may have had the first ever car. Got yourself a car in 1950. It never started. It broke down. It wouldn't start in cold weather. Now you've got a little Mazda 323. It starts every morning. You can't keep on in your little car. It did a great job in 1950, but today it's irrelevant. So we thank God for our little Morris Minor. And it's the same in the church. What we've been doing up until now has been good, but it's time to move on. But with God's blueprint, not with man's blueprint. Discerning the difference is where John and David are going to earn their money, although they don't get paid. Hey, let's vote for that now. No voting in the church. That is not godly. They did that in the Old Testament every time it failed. We do not vote. We follow men of God. So let's be careful not to be offended when God starts walking in. He starts telling us how to change things. Right, Julian, you're not going to preach anymore. You're not going to lead worship anymore. Let's not get offended by that. But let's say, Father, if this is your purpose, I am going to go with this. Because we want to see the kingdom of God come. We want to see Jesus build his church in Beacon. Thank you. Everybody said amen and wasn't pressurised into it. <laughs> During the old washing adverts, you know, the shirt... My shirt is now whiter than white. And there used to be this lady in the kind of a um, sort of caftan frock holding this blouse in front of a bright light. You see, when you come close to the light, you can see the dirt, can't you? The disciples came close to the light, and Peter, come on, he knew what was in his heart, and that light was starting to reveal what was in him. It could be like us. We come close to Jesus in the dirt and the, the darkness you know, the little manipulative, selfish ways inside. A bit of personal testimony there. It just gets revealed the closer we get to, don't, to Jesus. Or the manipulation of being quiet. I'm just going to sit back. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to control everything you do by being quiet. It comes to the light and you see this darkness that's in us. But Jesus, he brings light. But he doesn't bring light to condemn us. He brings the light to convict us. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour this morning, I pray that even during the worship you would have thought, wow, this is a bit kind of weird, but there's something light about it. I don't feel so comfortable. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I know my life's not right. <clears throat> there's wrong things in my life. I want to say sorry that I've done those wrong things. Would you come and help me? Would you come and live inside me and help me to walk in your ways? And you can become part of his family. Because he wants to draw us into his light, not to reveal the darkness, but so that we can be with him, daughters of the king, sons of the king. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Then his voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son, <coughs> in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Great, isn't it? Three simple points. Jesus is God's son. You can shout amen if you want. We are taking notes of who doesn't. We double tithe next week. Hooray! Jesus is God's son. It's a gimme. No debate. God is pleased with him. Amen. Yes? Jesus is the one we should be listening to. Amen. Simple. Simples. Isn't it? <laughs> Simple. That wasn't in my notes. Yes. No, I better not. Because you'll remember that and you won't remember what. <laughs> the disciples were afraid and yet Jesus came to them. Isn't that wonderful? 
And he said, do not be afraid. Now, I heard it on something on the radio a few years ago. They said that Jesus said, there's so many, what, 365 do nots in the Bible? And they do not be afraid. Jesus comes and says, do not be afraid. Rise up. Let's go. Now, I don't want to be heavy, and I'm not putting my personality on everybody, so I know this doesn't apply to everyone. But if you're a fearful person, it means you don't arise and move on. And for people like me, who are a little bit more fearful, Jesus says, arise, do not fear, let's go. Don't be fearful, but arise and let's go, because Jesus is calling us to go with him. And it said, they lifted up their eyes, and all they saw was Jesus. Whoa. That should, be our, that should always be our confession when we have experiences of God. You know, I've seen Jesus. They came down the mountain. Jesus wasn't going on about this experience. Oh, yeah, I saw Moses. Really great. Ha, ah, that's why you couldn't find his body. Hey, understand? He wasn't going on about his experience. He was ministering to his disciples. They asked him a question. He answered. They understood. Very rare in the Bible did Jesus speak... When he was questioned, he answered and people understood. He often made it quite difficult for people to understand. But they understood. He wasn't saying, oh, I've had this great experience. Oh, the light was great. He just loved and he ministered to his disciples. Just a little, I always worry about saying a word of wisdom because I'm only 51 and I haven't been around a long time. But maybe this is a little word of wisdom. That is, if you have an experience of the Lord, if you get prayed for or someone gives you a prophetic word, Yes, you need to weigh it and talk to others, but don't overanalyze it. Don't receive something in the spirit and then chat over coffee with your mind. Yes, but God said he'd provide that, but how can he? Because I haven't had a tax rebate last year, so don't work it out. Many years ago when we were really crazy, oh, Julia's signing at City, by the way, today. <laughs> no Julia, no Fred Norris. I feel very vulnerable. Vulnerable. And... Uh, uh, and I've completely lost my train of thought. Where was I? Any help? This will all be edited. <laughs> Years ago, um, we used to have what we called the prayer chair at someone's house, or we'd have house group, and people would come round and we would have dynamic times of prayer. And sometimes we would see some pretty exciting stuff. But you know what the problem was? We'd, we'd all have this great time with God, then we'd have coffee, and then we'd start analysing it and breaking it down and how can this be? And well, I'm not sure. And it would just slowly get drawn away. You know, I was thinking this morning of, of, the, of the prophetic word Julian Adams came to gave to Steve and Jenny um, a couple of years ago, and, and I was very frustrated because I knew it hadn't all been recorded, and I desperately wanted to get it for them and everything else. But you guys just go with what God said to you. Go with what it. Don't work it all out. And I know you don't. Just go with what God said to you. Just go with it. God speaks, yes, it needs to be submitted and worked through, but work it through in the spirit, not with the mind, but with the spirit. You know, we need to be blessed. God's give, told me to give away 500 pounds. Well, hang on, that's ridiculous because we've got a big, you know, the, the MOT's due next week, so I can't do that. But if God's told you, that's all that matters. Even the consequence is irrelevant. If God tells, tells us to do something, let's do it. So we had our prayer chair and how long did their leg grow and all the rest of it. We had all of that and we could just talk out the life of God. And about two years ago, I just had this sense. God said to me, you know what Mary did? I said, no, Lord, what's that? She stored everything in her heart. 
sometimes to quietly hear what God says and just to ruminate on that as we walk around Morrison's, as we sit and look at the seaside, as we drive down the M25, just ruminate on that. Store these things in your heart. But verse 14, isn't it annoying? They came down the mountain. People like me don't like coming down the mountain. I'd rather stay there in the Shekinah glory of God where it's all easy, the sweet by and by. We don't have to do any work anymore. We can just chill out and enjoy Jesus. But they come down the mountain. There are seasons when, yeah, it's good to go to a monastery for six weeks or spend some time aside with God. Um, <coughs> very good. But we do have to come back to the real world. <coughs> we have to apply what we've seen when we've had an encounter with Jesus. I say this carefully, but please don't spend your whole life wishing for the sweet by and by, longing for heaven. I know it's my personal bugbear. We should be looking for the glory. Thessalonians is all about that and so forth. But guys, we've got a job to do here. We've got a job. Yes, one day we'll be with him. One day we'll be like him. Yes. And in the meantime, the Spirit is saying, go, do, act, rest, serve. We've got a job to do. We've got mothers and fathers to honour. We've got poor to minister to. We've got finances that we need to release. We've got prayer, times with God we need. So yes, one day we'll be with him. And that's a great hope. But not 24 hours 7, guys. Please, we have a job to do. I'm going to spend the whole of next week meditating on how wonderful it will be in heaven. No, spend next week offering for Derek to come around with some of his kids and make them pizzas. It's more kingdomish. I have to do that too. I mustn't get all happy about worship and forget that I've got a job to do too. So I have to speak to myself. I'll leave that. But they come down the mountain. What happens? They're confronted. They're confronted by a boy with a demon. How many people like to see more demons in the church? Want to see more demons in the church? Get them in here so we can get them out. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have some separate teaching on that, I think. They're going to come. They're going to come. They won't all be screaming and ranting. Sometimes they'll be very crafty. We're going to need discernment. But immediately, they come down the mountain, some wonderful experience of Jesus, and it's blown away. Oh, great. Here we go. Back into the real world. But Jesus doesn't mess about. He just has compassion on the father. He has compassion on the lad, and he heals him. Nice and simple. No seminar. He just healed him. And the disciples came to him. They said, Lord, you know, how come we couldn't cast this out? You know, do you ever do that? Do you ever go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a bit scared because if we really want to see people set free, I'm not sure I've got the power. Am I holy enough? Am I sinning too much? You know, what's the key? And Jesus said, it's because of the littleness of your faith. Littleness of you. Now, today is be nice to the disciples' day. So let's just think about the environment the disciples were living in. God, up until Jesus came, probably hadn't spoken to Israel for, what, four, 400 years, 500 years? Theologians, help me here. But that's about the last time he had the Maccabees and so forth. But God hadn't specifically spoken to the nation for hundreds of years. They were being oppressed by a foreign, nasty army. There were political wranglings. There was fierce religious tradition going on. There were tax collectors everywhere trying to get the money off you. Oh, and to cap there, there were happy crucifixions going on all around them. This was not a great faith environment. This wasn't a great faith environment. And yet Jesus said, 
It is the littleness of your faith. See, Jesus rebuked the demon. He didn't rebuke the disciples. You ever heard those prophecies from people? The Lord says, I'm not happy with you. You can just stop right there. No. He's a father. He deals with us, but he doesn't speak like that. So Jesus rebukes the demon, but he teaches and encourages his disciples. Littleness of faith gives the whole story. It can grow. So if I, if I said to David and Eileen, like I did yesterday, got any tomato plants, got any gardener's delight? And, uh, and David would say to me, yeah, I've got some gardener's delight there, that tall. I go, great. Now, if David just leaves them in the garden, doesn't feed them, we shouldn't feed them to the first trust, but doesn't water them, doesn't look after them, what's going to happen to the tomato plants? They're going to die. But if David goes home this afternoon, waters them, takes the side shoots out, waters them, feeds them, where are they going to be in six weeks' time? Up here. So Jesus is talking about littleness of faith, and it can develop, and it can grow. You know, the whole issue of prayer and fasting, depending on your, the version of the Bible you've got, verse 21 talks about this type cannot go out by prayer and fasting, probably not in the earliest manuscripts, and we do live by the word of God. But elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about prayer and fasting. It's something which, uh, you know, as a church we have done. And um, unfortunately, it's quite a key to seeing growth and seeing people set free, which is a bit of a shame, really, but there you go. <laughs> Am I doing that? Colin Urquhart says this in his rather one of his many excellent books. He said, he says, Jesus says to you, go on living where my Father has put you, namely in me, and I will continue to live in you. I pick up something David said earlier. He said, anything you do apart from Jesus is of no value. Anything we do apart from Jesus is of no value. Those are, those are strong, powerful words. Now we come to the, the end bit, the, the scary bit. This is where I'm stepping out of the boat now, so, um, but don't be worried. Jesus and his disciples arrive in Capernaum, or Capernaum. Does anybody know what Capernaum means? I'm hoping you don't, because <laughs> I got it wrong. <laughs> okay. It means the village of Nahum. It's not bad, is it? What does Nahum mean? It means a place of consolidation or a place full of comfort. Now, maybe I'm pulling the metaphor too far, but just, just, just hold on. You've only got to hold on for another 15 minutes and you get your coffee. Okay? But Jesus brings his disciples through all of these experiences, even seeing his glory and even seeing demons cast out, and then he brings them to a place of consolidation and a place of comfort. And I really believe that God wants to bring us here at Beacon to a place of consolidation and a place of comfort. Now, there's practical consolidation, isn't there? You know, we get the finances right, we make sure the building's insured, we um, link up with other churches and, and... we make sure our address list and everything. Those are practical things, and those are good things to do, good stewardship. But I believe there's more the Lord wants to do. I believe it's on his heart that we become much more reliant on his Holy Spirit. If we're going to be brought to a place of comfort, who supplies the comfort? The comforter. 
And who's the comforter? The Holy Spirit. We need so much more of the Holy We thank God for what we have. We need more of the Holy Spirit. I, believe it, I really believe it's the Lord's heart that we become much more reliant on his Holy Spirit. I believe it's on his heart that we have a biblical church structure, which we have, that we build on a biblical church structure. Natural administration is great, and that's important, but Jesus, I believe, wants to bring us to a place of consolidation here as a church. See, it's really Jesus and Peter had a taxing need. That's your only joke today. <laughs> and sometimes we miraculously need God to, to meet our need. There was a need. Jesus supernaturally knew about it. Peter had to take action. The miracle happened. And that was it. Do we sometimes say, Lord, we pray in seven years' time this will happen? We can sometimes pray, Lord, we need a miracle now. He asks us to do something. Well, go and visit Mrs. Jones and make, you know, take her a cake. Well, I haven't seen Mrs. Jones for years. Just make Mrs. Jones a cake and drop round. Get round to Mrs. Jones. Oh, I didn't sleep last night. I was so worried. I felt like all these ghosts were attacking me. You never know. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. If it tells you to jump off a cliff, it's wrong. But you know what I say? It's just in your heart thinking, maybe there's a little impression, something simple I should do, like go fishing. Something simple. We may be surprised by the miraculous provision. I know there are people in this body that are looking to the Lord for large sums of money. I wonder whether he's going to tell you to go fishing. I wonder what you might catch. He's the same God. Annette was saying earlier, wasn't it? He's in us. We're clay. We're chipped. We're damaged. But his life, spitting, his life's within us. The spirit of God is within us. Hallelujah. That's good. Jesus met Peter's need, and I believe Jesus is going to meet our need. It's the Comforter and the Holy Spirit that's going to bring us to a place of consolidation. See, at Beacon, I really believe we need to hear, and we are seeking to hear the Holy Spirit for our next, for the next stage, where as a church, let's not be overwhelmed with fear about, well, what's going to happen about this and that and. I'm not sure they might say we have to do this and that. Let's just trust the Holy Spirit to consolidate us. And this is really the part that I, I want to share. I want to share, and I really want this to be weighed. Go to cell groups and weigh this. But last Saturday at the prayer meeting, David was talking about the wedding at Cana. You know, we were talking about weddings last week, weren't we? And uh, you know the story? Uh, Jesus is invited with his disciples. They go to the wedding at Cana. Um, they're having a great time, and then the wine runs out. And the, they come to Mary, and they say, they've run out of wine. She goes to Jesus, and in the end, Jesus says, well, you see that 150 gallons of old dishwater over there? Draw it out and give it to the, to the master of the feast. And it was pretty good wine, wasn't it? It was the best. And, and last Saturday, I just had a strong sense of God starting to speak to me about this. And then again on Sunday, which I shared a bit, I think, during the worship. And if you've got like a, maybe a mildly prophetic edge, sometimes you need to go away and pray and walk and sit and just chew over and say, Lord, what are you, you, know, what are you saying? And I, I have a sense this is how it's developed. And I offer this to you to be weighed. I 
I believe that we've given good wine. I believe as a church we have served, we have sought to follow the Lord, we've sought to worship, resolve issues, get our finances right, all of that. I believe that we have given good wine to Jesus. Like the wedding planners, we've done our best. We have served our best. Even Jesus has been invited to our wedding, hasn't he? We, believe, we mention him a lot. We're seeking him. We're longing for more of Jesus. But I believe that we've come to a stage where, in a sense, our wine has run out. Now, Jesus didn't say, oh, the, the, those blooming wedding planners didn't have enough decent wine. No, he didn't, did he? They'd already given good wine out. They'd done their best. And it was good. It was, they had a good party. It was good. But then they ran out. You know, I've been to enough conferences to know that there are times you just run out of yourself. You run out of your own resources. And we need more from God. So Jesus has been invited here. He's been part of our celebrations by leaving the coming to a stage where we need fresh wine provided by the Holy Spirit. So remember, there's no criticism from Jesus about the hosts or what's gone before. There is no criticism. It's just simply that they have run out. And that's not, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. John shared a couple of weeks ago at the evening prayer meeting that he was meeting up with Mike Betts and <coughs> others who may be of a more apostolic and prophetic nature with the New Frontiers who'd be able to give some input to us as a church here um, you know, with view to seeing where it might go long-term relationships and so forth. I just encourage you, please pray into this. Please pray. I just believe that this potential relationship is so critical for us here at Beacon. It really is critical. I think it's like we're coming to a watershed as a church. We have to make some, we have to make some decisions in that sense. And I think, well, I'm, I start getting all defensive. You know, I think, well... Why not someone else coming in here telling us how to run things and telling us what to do? And No, 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 no. No, it's, it's not like that. The comforter, Jesus, is bringing consolidation. He is going to release resources to us, release fresh wine, wine that is even better than the wine we've had before because it comes from him. Where did the water come from? few jars, probably about 150 gallons of dirty old foot washing water. So the container it came in didn't look fantastic. Those of us that have been around the things of God long enough, we have learned, hopefully, and often forget, that often God brings what we're asking for, but in the container that we don't expect. Let's not be offended by the container, but let's get our heart into the contents, what God wants for us. When, um, remember on the video when we had uh, John the Baptist, you know, he's all, John the Baptist. He looked a bit strange, didn't he? He looked a bit weird, and, 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 and Steve kind of drew that out. You know, the guy looked a bit crazy, but he was God's man. This was the way God was going to do it. Even look at the disciples that he chose. But John the Baptist was a bit weird, but he was God's prophetic voice. Jesus, Jesus had a few loaves and a few fish and suddenly there was this massive provision. They'd just run out of food. They'd done anything wrong. They'd been ministering, loving people, praying for the sick. They'd done anything wrong. There's no criticism. Jesus dealt with those who were entrapped by religion, the Pharisees 
and the Sadducees. But we need that prophetic voice, I believe, to come in just to give us that direction. So let, let's pray. Let's, let's ask God to really bless the next step that we take as church. I really do believe that it's crucial. In Ephesians, Ephesians 4, chapter 11, of course, it says this. This is talking about the ascended Jesus. It said he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Then goes on to speak about us not being tossed to and fro around like children. Yesterday morning, I'm not quoting this directly right because I can't remember it exactly, but Bill, Bill here prayed and he prayed along the lines of that, that God wanted to, Lord, would you lay a broad and strong foundation? Was that right? Something like that? Yeah. That the Lord would, would, would establish a broad and a strong foundation here in this church. If we build and we grow and we don't have a secure foundation, we all know what's going to happen. But I'm excited because it's like we're a bit of a building site at the moment. And it's all going fine. There's nothing wrong. But it's just, do we have the courage to take the next step with, with the, the doors that God is opening for us? So I believe the Lord wants to lay a broad and a strong foundation for the growth that is coming. Because we want to see growth, don't we? We want to see growth. So many things that we could do. Do we reach out to children? Do we reach out to the elderly? Do we make a big push to reach out to our families? Do we look to serve people abroad more? Do we get involved in local politics? Do we have uh, street cleaning teams? Do we put all our energy into schools work? We could get churches together. We could get pulled in so many directions. It's, Lord, what are you calling us to do now? Remember the little car you had in the 1950s, your first mini the six is your first Austin Allegro, whatever it was. We had an Austin Allegro. It did the job, but it's not relevant anymore. It was good, but it's new. So it's kind of, Lord, what are the plans and purposes that you have for us today? I'm actually going to stop there, but I'd like us to pray. And um, I also want to say that I believe there are people here who who would really value prayer today. Whether it's for healing, whether it's for family situations or whatever, I'm, I'm not sure the first thing's sort of shooting through my mind. But we want to pray with one another. We want to bring things to Jesus. I, I gave the title today, Fascinated by Jesus, which I stole from David. Um, to be fascinated by Jesus. Just to get a view of him. Even recently, I saw some. I saw a Christian, and, and clearly they were they just they just weren't connected. They just weren't. It was just all. Whooshed. And sometimes we need that fresh encounter with Jesus. We can't summon it up. I can't get Steve up here to play, you know, E minor over A minor. It'll all be emotionally get stirred. We need a work of the Holy Spirit. 
We need a work of the Holy Spirit. So once we finish, there's tea and coffee through the doors there. If you want to be prayed for, let's pray. Let's bring that issue or that situation to Jesus. There's no better place. And if you've never known Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, then you need to speak to us because it's so important. Cheers, Kev. Have a good day. Score prediction? 2-1. Okay, it's on the tape now. (laughs) He didn't say who to, though, did he? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of being able to worship him, of being able to just draw near to him and to co-work with him. Father, I want to thank you for the good wine that has come through this body over the last few years. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would so move in this church that you would pour out and provide us with new wine, fresh wine, Lord Jesus, wine of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that as sons and daughters of God, we would be led by the Spirit of God. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would establish solid and strong foundations here in this church, able to hold the building, Jesus, that you are putting together. Jesus, would you build your church? And Lord, I pray for those who maybe feel a little bit apart, a little bit separate, a little bit kind of, where's God in all this? Lord, I pray that in these coming days you would meet with people afresh. Lord Jesus, that you would would blow through depression, that you would blow, Lord Jesus, through emptiness. Lord, that there there would be encounters, encounters with you that would take place in people in this church. Lord Jesus, how we need you, Lord. Thank you for your ultimate sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that there is a risen saviour and that risen saviour has released gifts to men. And Father, I pray that as a body, Lord, with all my heart, that we would be equipped. (laughs) Lord, that we would be equipped and that we would come to maturity and work to your blueprint. And we pray for John and David. We want to thank you for these precious, precious men And we pray your continued blessing upon them and your pour out wisdom and grace upon them. And we honour them. Lord Jesus, be so much bigger in this church, we pray. Amen. Thank you very much there. Um, I've got the notes there with some cell group activities and questions. And if you're visiting, we have uh, tea and coffee and the you-know-whats are just